Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, a story that really caught my eye came out of Seattle, where I lived and worked for 14 years before I moved back to Akron a little over 10 years ago. It was when I lived in Seattle, in fact, that I developed what's become my continuing fascination with technology and a deep desire to not only understand it, but to understand how it affects all of us. So I was very interested to find out that the public school system out there just filed suit in federal court against the parent companies of Google, Facebook, Snapchat, and TikTok. In it, they allege the companies purposely designed their products to be addicting, and that addiction is creating a student mental health crisis that directly affects their ability to carry out their educational mission. And they're not alone. The nearby Kent School District, which is located a little bit south of Seattle, has also joined the suit. The districts blame the companies for worsening mental health and behavioral disorders, including anxiety, depression, disordered eating, and cyberbullying, which they say makes it more difficult for them to educate their students and also forces them to spend more money on things like additional mental health professionals, teacher training, and developing lesson plans about the effects of social media. President Biden joined the conversation this week as well, issuing a statement urging bipartisan action from Congress to hold big tech accountable. In part, it says to keep Americans on their platforms, big tech companies often use users' personal data to direct them toward extreme and polarizing content that's likely to keep them logged on and clicking. All too often, tragic violence has been linked to toxic online echo chambers. What's more, he says, social media and other platforms have allowed abusive and even criminal conduct like cyberstalking, child sexual exploitation, non-consensual pornography, and sales of dangerous drugs. So I thought that was a topic definitely worth discussing and turned to a social media expert from our area, University of Akron Assistant Professor of Communications, Dr. Rhiannon Callis. Well, there's no doubt that from the research, we know that there can be negative effects from social media use, especially with young people. So we know that they can experience FOMO, the fear of missing out, loss of self-esteem. They can be involved with social comparison, with um, body disorders from looking at different images and consuming these images on social media. However, I've always taken the stance that social media are not inherently good, nor are they inherently bad, because we also know that there are positive impacts from using social media. If we're focused around young people, we know that young people can connect with others on social media. They can find resources on mental health topics, connect with others who might have similar conditions as they do, and perhaps you know anonymously ask questions that might be embarrassing to ask in person, um, regarding health issues that they might be going through. So I think it all comes down to how you use it and how you're educated on using something like social media. So I think social media education and social media literacy is really important for young people. Well, is social media use and social media literacy actually something that gets taught in schools these days? You know, that's something I was thinking when I read that article. I wonder if the schools are 
putting the onus on themselves in any manner. One of the articles that I read regarding that topic said that they were hiring more mental health counselors and whatnot, but I don't know how much education they actually put into their system in terms of social media literacy. One of the things that I was thinking when I read this one article that I shared with you from Reuters is it quotes Meta Chief Mark Zuckerberg saying that there's just no truth to the allegation that Facebook promotes content that incites anger more aggressively than it does other kinds of content. Now, there are studies that show that Facebook, in fact, did exactly that, as do the other social media platforms, that they tend to promote content that makes people angry, that excites people in a negative way, gets them to share more. And it's that kind of content that, at least in my understanding, is why a lot of people are concerned about the mental health effects. In other words, it's not just that you're using social media, it's that the man behind the curtain running the social media is tilting the deck so that what you see is the kind of stuff that might make you the most upset. So I have heard about the way in which they would manipulate the algorithm, allegedly. A lot of that is hard to digest and confirm because it's what they're telling us. It's what they're putting out there. But I think that comes to a larger issue of algorithms. And it's something that we have strived to understand, to get data from, to have these companies actually share. How do you create these algorithms that can sometimes lead to what people think is this addicting loop for social media. TikTok has definitely been called out for that. And, you know, Facebook has been in the news for that. And so I think they're trying to be a little bit more transparent with how they're putting videos or content in front of us, but they still don't share everything. Of course, they're not giving away all of their secrets. TikTok recently added a new feature that allows us to click and see why we might be seeing a certain video on our For You page, but it's kind of vague. Um, we're not going to get the exact reasons. Um, it might say something like, well, you've watched a content video on cats. And so that's why you're seeing this particular video in front of you. But we know that there's a lot more that goes behind it. The watch time, the likes, the comments, the music that might be playing in the video. So I don't know if we're ever really going to get answers for that. But the Facebook manipulation of the algorithm that allegedly happened is something that I talk with my students about. We talk about the ethics behind that and how to do ethical research. And it's certainly not ethical if you're manipulating an algorithm, putting negative content in front of people to see if that elicits some type of emotion from them and makes them come back more. So it's certainly a point of discussion when it comes to the ethical and legal use of social media. When you brought up the topic of how social media can be beneficial in terms of, let's say, people finding out mental health information, or maybe they're sharing, at least in their belief, they're sharing anonymously information about themselves and trying to do this in a safe way. I mean, all that's great if it's really anonymous. But one of the stories of great concern to me that came out recently was just over last weekend or the weekend before, like 230 million identities were leaked as a result of a Twitter hack. 
And Elon Musk had fired like all of their content moderators. So two things going on. One, you know, people's identities are being leaked, so they can't be anonymous. And two, the people that are supposed to be protecting us with content moderation and with security kind of seem to be asleep at the wheel. So what about that? Oh my gosh, privacy is a is a huge concern. And again, if we're if we're focused on young people, which is, you know, the article we originally started talking about, a lot of young users will get on there and think, oh, well, my content disappears on Snapchat, so I can send whatever I want. Or I'll go on, Yik Yak used to exist and be really popular with young people. It was an anonymous app. And so they felt as though they could type whatever they wanted, whether it was threatening or not. And they realized, well, I don't really have anonymity. My content doesn't really disappear on Snapchat. So I think that young people and older users, I'm sure they feel this illusion of privacy. And that's what it is. It's an illusion of privacy. Anytime we put information on social media or online, we should be putting it on there, knowing that this absolutely could be leaked. It could be public. Nothing is truly private. Nothing truly disappears. Everything is there. There is a digital footmark and a digital footprint that gets left behind no matter what we do on social media. So I think that, again, leads back to that issue of educating people on social media use because a lot of people go into it thinking, that they do have some sort of privacy, that they are promised something from these apps. But how many of us actually read the terms of service? Or do we just scroll down that huge list and click agree? And we don't really know what we've agreed to anyways, in terms of how they can use our content, our tweets, our information, how they can share our information. So I think it comes back to that idea of social media literacy and for all of us to understand what we're actually getting into when we sign up for a social media account and when we post on behalf of that account. And one of the other issues having to do with online safety is sexting and cyber harassment. We had a case recently of a local high school student who committed suicide as a result of cyber extortion, sextortion, they called it. And so it's not only bullying from their peers, it's actual extortion on the part of adults, maybe in a whole other part of the world, getting them to share nude pictures or other sexually explicit kind of content, and then holding them hostage with that and demanding money, et cetera. And some of the young people are taking their own lives as a result of this. So I'm thinking something like that makes it a life or death responsibility on the part of educators to really inform young people about these kinds of dangers? Absolutely. One of the classes that I teach revolves around social media and relationships. And I present social media use to them in a similar manner that I described earlier, where it's not inherently good nor bad. There's a light side and a dark side to social media. So we illuminate the dark side a few weeks in the class and talk about those exact topics that you mentioned sexting, cyberbullying, revenge porn, any of that that happens online. We'll read research on it. We'll have discussions on it because I want students to read, whether it's stories in the popular press or academic research that's been going on about this whole dark side of social media and how they might be susceptible to some of those practices, especially as young people. 
So if you had advice to give young people when it comes to this kind of thing, let's say sextortion or revenge porn, that kind of thing, what would you tell them? Be mindful of what you share with whom. Back to that issue of privacy, nothing is really private. If you send it to one person one-on-one, of course they could use their phone and show everybody. If you think your profile is private, Again, people can still screenshot that and send it. There are ways to get around all of that. So being mindful of the content that they share, if they would not want it on a public profile, don't send it privately. So in this country, the technology firms have had a pretty free reign in terms of what they do and really not facing a lot of regulation, as opposed to in Europe, they do have some laws that at least rein them in a little bit. Would you support enhanced legislation to give consumers more protection when it comes to their online content, privacy, et cetera? Because social media use has become so widespread globally, which of course includes the US, I think it's important to kind of take a step back and look whether or not it's gotten out of hand. Um, We regulate so much of our media, it seems like a matter of time that social media would become more regulated. And, you know, we're seeing that a little bit in terms of social media influencing. The influencers kind of had a lot of free reign in terms of what they advertised, to whom, what they disclosed. And so we've seen more involvement on that end. So I think it's only a matter of time that we would see a little bit more in terms of the content. And again, I think it comes from a good place. I think it still allows for a lot of freedom with the social media companies and with the users. So I don't see that having negative impacts. I see it being something that could be absolutely beneficial. Now, going back to your point about influencers for people who might be listening and they're like, well, we've heard of influencers and What's the big deal? I wonder if you could expound on that a little bit, the kinds of expectations that consumers can have or should have or might be required to have as a result of what people who are called influencers share with them online. Sure. So social media influencers is a term given to people online who create content and advertise certain products to their users. And they usually have a set of users that they advertise towards, especially if they're smaller, like nano influencers, micro influencers. They have a really honed in on set of users that they will target their products towards that companies are paying them to discuss with their users. So This kind of came into discussion a little bit more when we're seeing things like the flat tummy tees and whatnot being advertised on social media, and it might be reaching 13-year-olds or 15-year-olds. And so there was a concern in terms of, well, what types of products are young people being shown? You know, are they perpetually being shown weight loss supplements. And, you know, again, what is that doing for their well-being? And so we've stepped in to regulate that a little bit more. And also in terms of how they disclose whether or not they're being paid to advertise a certain product, because many times it looks as though they're just talking about a product. Oh, hey, this is a great product. I've tried it. I've used it. But are they getting paid to say that or not? So they are required to blatantly put hashtag ad in the written portion 
We know that many social apps have a portion that allows you to disclose that at the top. It will say something like paid partnership with insert brand here. So those tools have been put into place so that it is more transparent in terms of what they're advertising to whom. Because again, especially if we're talking about young people, they could see that and just think, oh, I want to get that. I like that celebrity. I like this influencer. But they're not knowing that they're being paid to do that. And this might not be honest interpretations of the product or the service. So then to wrap up, Let's talk a little bit about what you teach at the University of Akron and how you're at least guiding your students and the kind of advice that you're giving them with regard to social media use. Sure. So I teach a couple of classes that are a little bit more interpersonal focused with social media and then some that are strategic focused. So I teach principles of social media and advanced strategic social media for our undergraduates that prepare them to be able to create content understanding the ethical and legal issues of doing that on behalf of companies and organizations. So they'll develop strategic plans, they'll understand the best times to post on certain platforms, how to reach certain audiences and things like that. I also teach a social media and relationships class, which really focuses on understanding the impact social media have on our interpersonal relationships whether that's with friends, family, dating apps, romantic jealousy, self-esteem issues. We talk about all those things in that class. And finally, I also teach in our graduate program, mainly uh, strategic social media, in which students gain a really advanced understanding of how to run social media accounts in the best manner, most strategically, that would benefit organizations and their stakeholders. That was University of Akron Assistant Communications Professor Dr. Rhiannon Callis, who teaches classes at both the graduate and undergraduate level on social media. Thanks for listening. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.